in the arena. And remember, you can get involved with the show. Tweet a question with the hashtag AskCampy. We get to those as they come in. We got some in the hopper already. If something pops in your head, go ahead and fire off that tweet. We will get to it. But coach, I'll always ask you how you're doing, but I know how you're doing. You got back-to-back wins over Youngstown State and Horizon League play. Both the games kind of played out in a similar fashion. And uh, two words, man, Jalen Moore, right? Yeah, Jalen had a really good weekend, uh, but so did a lot of other people. You know, uh, unfortunately, one of the things our system does is you put up numbers, and a lot of times a guy will get numbers and everybody forgets about everybody else. And Jalen was really good, especially the last five minutes of the second game. That was as good a performance as we've ever seen um, on that uh, blacktop, you know, where a game was on the line and you had to make play after play after play. He was, he was just outstanding. But, you know, Micah Parrish had a hell of a game. Uh, Rashad, who had struggled to make shots, started the second half, got us back in the game, made a couple big shots for us, uh, played with great confidence. Uh, Dan Oladapo continued his assault on, you know, double-doubles and, and uh, you know, Dan's going to get four years here. So, you know, he could – crawl his way up the record books and rebounding if he continues, you know, the next two years, like he's doing here, normally with a JC kid, like, uh, uh, Dan or, or Jalen Moore, they don't play off in the record books really good because, you know, we usually have four year guys, but both those kids are going to get three years here. And, you know, the, the sister records that Kay Felder put out there were only in three years. If you remember Kay didn't play his fourth year. So, Dan's going to get four years, and uh, so he could do something in the rebounding. Uh, he played extremely well last weekend and, and, again, continues to put up great numbers. And Trey Townsend was Trey Townsend. I mean, you you know, you don't talk a lot about him because he just very seldom do freshmen be as consistent as he's been this year. So it was a great weekend for us. We needed to win, and we got two wins, and needed to do it in the fashion that we did to you know it'd, it'd be nice to get an easy one one day but I don't think this year this team is going to get one you know I think I think we have to grind out and and uh, we ground two games out and finish you know we finished them both so that that was really good that's a continued progression right that that we've seen and, and I was actually talking to our producer Kevin McCann just about 10 minutes before we went on the air and I, I ran it by him, and he made the observation. He said, you, you can see this team. You can see this team in the progression, right? It, it's not a 50-meter dash or anything like that or a 100-meter dash. There, there are bricks to it, and, and the foundation continues to be built. It's coming out and closing out a game like that, that's another step that this team took. Would you, would you agree with that? Absolutely. And, you know, the, <clears throat> there, there is a lot of people that – you know, you sit there and talk about how far we've come from that opening day where we only had three practices and we were down 52 to 12 at halftime and what happened in the second half at, at Purdue. And, and uh, you know, so you, what Wright State did to us and yet we came back the next day. So you've seen a, the negative and, and people get to <laughs> see the positive and the growth that the team has too. And, you know, statistically – We've had three games that that we had a pretty high percentage chance to win. Uh, if you look at those Gen Ed stats as the game goes on, you know we we were eighty ninety percent chance to win a lot of games, and uh, we didn't win three of them. 
and you know that that five five could be eight two, and we'd be talking a completely different, uh, you know, feeling about the team. But you go through a process where you learn how to win those games, and the only way you can is to lose. You know, and then when you have a young team, you grow from that and you get better. And next year, if we're sitting here saying we're five and five, but we could have been eight and two, now you got a real problem. You know, you've got to be eight and two next year because you've got to have learned and grown from it. And uh, as this year goes on, you know, with every win we get, you look back and say, oh, we could have this, but maybe we're getting those wins because we didn't do those things. And, and they kicked us in the gut so hard that we had to learn how to do it. Your teams historically can't seem to come into February playing their best basketball. That, that's that been the book for as long as I've been around the program, decade plus. Uh, do you feel that way? Do you get that vibe from this team in that, you know, they, they, they are kind of getting it together and we're looking to make a push here coming into February and play better basketball? I, I do, but I don't. And I say I do because I think the, the metrics show that it's happening. Uh, but I don't because I just don't trust anything about this year. I just don't. You know, we've talked about it on every one of these shows. This this year is just so different. I had a long talk with Joe Dwyer, who's a founder of College uh, Insider today. We had a 30-minute conversation, and we got talking about the year and the weirdness of the year. And I gave him my summer league analogy, you know, uh, where I, I just think it's summer league. I mean, and one of the things I talked to him about was <clears throat> when we first started and and kids were just lucky to be playing and they had had to sit out during the summer and sit out in the fall and they couldn't get in the gym and they were had to wear masks and they had. So you get in the gym and you start practice and they're just so excited and so grateful to be playing. But we're now, we're, as they say in baseball, we're in the dog days of August. You know, we're in the in the dog days, days of it where, you know, you cut your practices down, you're prepping for games. They've, they've prepped, we've played, what, uh, 17 games, I, I think. And, you know, we're all, there's 27 on the schedule, so we're on the downside of it. And now it becomes monotonous and, you know, the, the, the week becomes the same. You lose the days. And you go into a gym, and there are no cheerleaders. There are no, uh, you know, Grizz gang. There is no Grizz gang. There are no fans. There, there are no. And, and when a game's going on and you get laid in it, you know, you hit a big shot. What Jalen Moore did the other day, if the Grizz gang and we had been there at home, if they had been there, the emotion that would have been in that building and the the excitement and the craziness that the Grizz gang and our fans to, to be right there and, and witness what he was doing. It's one thing to see it on TV, but to be right on the floor. And then he would have fed off all that emotion, you know, and, and, and maybe he would have fed off it too much and missed the shot. Who knows? But, but that doesn't exist in the game now. And as we get into the dog days and it's hard to get a kid, you know, practice hard and it's hard to get kids because that gratitude is gone i mean they're 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 tired their bodies hurt their legs hurt they can't we can't do the things to rehab that we that we would normally be doing they can't get in an ice tub you know we because of covid there all these restrictions and rules they can't do and so they 
that I it's it's so weird and so different that I can't predict it will be good in February or that this team will peak or I just can't predict it because all those factors play into this. Those kids are young and human and uh, it's just not us. It's just not us. It's every team. So uh, I don't think anything's predictable. I think we just got to get to the finish line and uh, everybody get into the tournament and it's, it becomes a, an enjoyable one week run to see who wins the horizon league tournament championship. Uh, the college basketball feast that is March Madness. Certainly everybody's angling towards that. This is the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Happy to have you with us. Remember, you can tweet a question if you got one for camp with the hashtag AskCampy. We're kind of wrapping up the Youngstown State discussion. Uh, you know it's Metro Series time again this weekend for the second time this season as Detroit will take their turn on the blacktop. And Camp, I know you know we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later on. It'll be really weird to have a back-to-back uh, home game setup <laughs> from week to week. We don't have to go anywhere for the first time uh, since the end of November. But you know, wrapping up this Youngstown State discussion, and you brought up Trey Townsend, and I'm trying to remember, and I can't remember off the top of my head. But Trey, Trey made some kind of mistake on the floor, and I, I even mentioned it to Dan Waterstrat during the broadcast. I said. It's unbelievable to me that it stunned me that much that Trey made a mistake, that I had to talk about him making a mistake. And then, by the way, the next time down the floor, two times in a row, he got the defensive rebound. And uh, really, it was a battle of will rebound because it was later on in the game. I don't remember this exact instance, but I mean, I think that says a lot about what you were saying earlier with his game in that you're stunned when he makes a mistake. I mean, that's how consistent he has been which you just you do not see that out of freshmen. Well, he's probably been yelled at less than any freshman that's played that I've ever coached. <laughs> um, I, mean, I don't think there's any question about that. He, he, uh, you know, he sat in the stands for all those years and probably came in saying, "I don't want to be that guy getting yelled at." Maybe I don't know, but he, he, uh, he has really been consistent. He's intelligent. He understands what I want. He doesn't always do everything right, but I know his effort is pretty phenomenal. And, uh, you know, he's on the floor as much as anybody I've coached. He's He just does a lot of things right. And his growth as a player has been fantastic. But, he's he you know, I always say consistency is the hallmark of greatness. And, and he is as consistent as they come, for, especially for a freshman. And I don't know what his ceiling is, but as he gets bigger and stronger and we get him more towards a perimeter offensively and he gets more comfortable shooting the ball and shooting the three, um, he's, he's, he's got a chance to, to do some special things in his career here at Oakland. And I'm, I'm excited that, you know, he got to do all this and he gets the year over. He's, you know, he's going to have five years. You talk about being able to put your name in record books. He's going to have five years and and a lot more games than a lot of guys had. So you know if he's if he's not dominating some of the record books, I'll be very surprised when he uh, walks out of here in his last game. And the versatility that he'll have that he that you know you talked about it all the time that you recruited him as a perimeter player as a shooter, but the versatility because he has developed a post game camp. I mean that is something that you guys go to you. You draw up a play every now and then for him to get it down on the block. He can go over the left shoulder with the hook shot. I mean, he he's a viable post player. Yeah, he's got to learn how to go over the right shoulder too, and he's got to be, you know, a little more confident in it. But he, you know, he really never did that. He, uh, 
he, he handled the ball and had the ball in his hands the whole time at Oxford High School. Now, one of the things he did late in the Youngstown game is, you know, we they pressed and and I got on him pretty hard about, you know, hey, I got you down there because I believe in you and you've got their center guarding you. You should be able to just rip and go with it, get it into the, you know, into the into our offensive end without a problem. And late in that game, he did that. And then he made a hell of a play. I can't remember if it was the first game or the second game where they pressed us and we threw it up to him on the wing and he ripped and drove to the middle and made a left-handed runner that pretty much ended the game. I, I, that might've been Friday, not Saturday, but um, you know, to see him make plays like that, it, it's all confidence. We, we knew he was capable of doing that, but he's got, I, that's a, that's a big thing players uh, have to overcome when, you know, you're a freshman and all of a sudden you've been playing, you're the biggest, strongest guy normally in high school. And then you get here and you're the youngest and you're playing against a guy 22 and he's, he's a man and you're, you know, still developing and Trey's case, you know, he doesn't shave or anything like this. So it's not like he's grown up or in any way, shape or form. So just developing confidence that, what he knows he can do, he can do against that level too. And as he gains that and it grows, he's he's got a very, very, very high ceiling. Uh, Coach, it's interesting you bring that up too because, yeah, going up against guys that already have the class end of it figured out, you know, they know what they have to do in the classroom and, and everything like that. They're they're playing for – essentially, Camp, they're playing for money. They're playing to be pros. That's what they want to do is they, they want to get jobs. And here comes Trey, you know, as you talked about as that freshman, probably still trying to figure out the class angle a little bit, a lot of online classes and all that that's going on. And, you know, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're getting, you're getting forged in the fire. There's no doubt about it. It's just, for me, the thing that I keep going back to, we talked about this in the broadcast a little bit as well. When he rebounds the basketball, he almost looks like LaMarcus Aldridge out there on on the floor. You know, the NBA elite that are, that are listening to the show right now, they would know just that length, the arm length that he has, and he's able to get the ball above people that might be bigger than him, but it doesn't matter. His The length is a great equalizer when you're rebounding the basketball, isn't it? Yeah, and it, you don't see it. You don't see it. You don't see it, and bam, you see it. Right, you know, and then you go another eight, six, eight minutes, and you, and then all of a sudden, his head's on the rim, and his arms are way up there, and I, I you know, where you can really see it is how does a six-six guy win the jump ball every game? You know? <laughs> and he does. I, mean, I'm, I, I can't, I can't say maybe twice that he didn't. You know, and there were two uh, bad tosses too. I remember. Yeah, yeah they yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Although this weekend we got two good ones for us. You usually just <laughs> get the right. But, uh, it's really weird yeah. in those Power Five gyms camp. You know, they, yeah, it's yeah. always a weird toss there. Right, but he, you know, just how, how does he get to jump ball? I mean, you know, the Detroit game at Detroit in the overtime. You know, he's going against the seven footer, and bam, we get the tip, and we score, and we win the game. You know, so those are the little things that, that you can't coach and that, you know, make the difference between winning and losing. And he's he's got those intangibles that you're right. When he shows them, when they show up, you shake your head and say, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, that a, what a play that was. Yeah, absolutely. That length is on display. We'll take our first break. When we come back, I got a blue blood question. 
for Coach Campy. I know he likes talking about the Blue Bloods of college basketball. I do too. So I have a, a pressing topic that's going on in around the college basketball world. We'll get to your questions on Twitter as well with the hashtag AskCampy. So make sure you fire those off. Uh, anytime that they pop in your head, go ahead and do that. And you know that we'll talk Metro Series as well. Detroit Mercy coming to town on the blacktop this weekend at the arena, 7 o'clock on Friday night, 5 o'clock on Saturday. Note the little uh, change up in the game time there, 5 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, Saturday's game will be available locally on television, on TV20. All the games available on the ESPN family as well. So we'll take our first break, come back. We'll talk with Coach Campy about the Blue Bloods of college basketball. You're listening to The Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Back to The Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. He is a coach, Greg Campy. My name is Neil Rule. Uh, happy to be with you again on a Wednesday night as we are every Wednesday at 7 o'clock the rest of the way through the college basketball season. And, and speaking of college basketball, which we do uh, here on this show, and Camp, I know you're a big fan of, of the college basketball blue bloods. That's a term that, that you like to use a lot. And I came across an interesting stat that I saw over the weekend, and it immediately made me think of you. And, and the stat is the following. Uh, North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, that, that qualifies. That's three blue bloods, right? They're, uh, they're all unranked. They're all yeah. unranked for the first time since 1961. And this, I was curious to get your thoughts, and, and after we get those, I'll, I'll hit you with the John Calipari quote about it. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, for that to happen, it has to be a weird situation, and that's what we're in. You know, we're in a pandemic. We're in... A year where, you know, and basically my opinion is those programs get a lot of turnover because they lose the kids to the draft. Kentucky's famous for one-and-dones. Duke is famous for one-and-dones. And And, uh, North Carolina struggled last year. And I don't know why. I I was shocked that they're struggling this year. I I knew that they would struggle last year. My guess is he brought in a lot of new players. And we didn't get to practice. And and I keep saying that, and people think I'm making excuses. But if you can't teach in September and October, and in our case, November, you can't do that now while we're playing. You know, right now, your learning process is based on games. Our practices, you're not going to learn. They've hit the wall, as I said earlier. And so they've all gone through where they've had huge turnover, a lot of new faces, and couldn't practice. I'm not surprised by it at all. We, We talked last week about Wisconsin going to Michigan and being down 40 points. It's still crazy to hear you say that, by the way. <laughs> the, the things that are happening this year, it's not basketball. It's summer league. I said that. I, I'm going to keep saying it. It is summer league. It is play the games, learn about your players, know that know that the, everybody gets the year back. Now, some people aren't going to come back because they, they're going to graduate. They've had enough of college basketball. They want to earn money playing the game. And so you try and make it the best you can for those guys. But for the rest of these guys, you're you're trying to just get better and learn. And so to see this doesn't surprise me because of the pandemic and because of the the summer league mentality this season. Um, And then you throw this transfer thing in there. And 
everybody thinks the guys that are going to get hurt the most are the Oaklands of the world with the way things have gone the last few years. And it's that's true. But don't think that the Kentuckys and the Dukes and those guys aren't going to get hurt by this too. Because there, there's there's McDonald All-Americans sitting on those benches that could be playing at Texas Tech or Oklahoma State or, you know, non-Blue Bloods, but compete against the Blue Bloods. And those guys are sitting there thinking, man, I'm going to go there and play because I ain't playing here. It's not I'm just so happy to be at Duke. I, I'm so happy that I got Coach K as my coach. That those days have changed. Yeah, are the, are the, I was going to ask you, Camp, are those days gone? I mean, like, I'm at Duke, I'm at, I'm at Kentucky, I'm at North Carolina. It, it's all the same now, isn't it? At the For the good players. For the McDonald's All-Americans, the one yes, and done. I still think that the fringe players that get a scholarship at a Michigan, Michigan State, Duke, something like that, that that they're going to stay and just like be grateful that they're rock stars. You know, there there's guys sitting on the bench at those schools that are rock stars in the community that are getting all the advantages from the per diem to the, you know, at Kentucky, they have a chef cook their meals in their lodge. You know I mean? It's the, the things that those schools have, make a guy that's a fringe player want to be part of that and, and stay there. And, and, uh, you know, I had a son that played football at LSU and wasn't playing, but the, ex- the experience at LSU was so great that when I talked to him, he had no interest in leaving there. Oh, no interest. He got his degree there and never played, ran on the field for the national championship football game, but never got in, never played one down. And, uh, uh, and he loved his experience, man. He, he's the biggest LSU fan in the world. And so those players I can see staying, but the, the McDonald All-American who's sitting on the bench and not playing, he's thinking, I got to make money. I, I, just being around Coach K or whoever isn't, that's not the cool thing anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Mississippi. I'm going to go to Missouri. I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to come back and kick Duke's butt, you know, I, I, that's how they think now. And that and they're able to do it because of the portal and with the new rule going and they won't have to sit out. It, it's it's gonna hurt the Dukes and the Kentuckys and the Michigan States of the world just as much as it's gonna hurt the Oaklands of the world. Yeah, Camp and John Calipari's quote was very much on par with, with what you said. And uh, he said this to twenty four seven sports. He said that when you look at the situation that Kentucky's in, he said, the change that we're having with COVID thrown in the mix, veteran teams have a huge advantage this year. The inexperienced teams like us are at a big disadvantage. So There's no question yeah. because of lack of playing time. We didn't get to play exhibition games. I still don't know about a couple of kids on my team that if we had played our two exhibition games, they'd have got to play 15, 20 minutes. If we'd have played a non-D1 early in the year, you know, all the fans don't, they hate that. They don't want you to play a non-D1. All the coaches, we need those games. Yeah. Because you hold us so accountable to win that we got to play a game that we're going to win that I can play everybody in. And, uh, and so we didn't get that this year. Kentucky didn't get to play six by games against mid-majors or low-majors. You know, they didn't get that. They, they didn't get to learn to make those mistakes uh, when you're up 15 and 
coach yell at you and pull you out and threaten you. You'll never play again if you do that stuff, but they're winning. So they had to go play, you know, and he played a really, really difficult schedule. Now he, Kentucky played a schedule like we play and, uh, and it bit him, you know, it, it bit him right in the tail. So, uh, I'm really good friends with the scheduling coordinator there. And he, he told me before it started, he goes, I might get fired over this, man. But this <laughs> that is that is a big time job. I always talk about that with Jeff Tungate when he and I uh, when he and I do media stuff. He he always says that that's that's his by far least favorite part of being a coach is the scheduling game, just the mess that it is, and the waters you have to swim in, and and everything that goes along uh, with scheduling. Do do you share that sentiment? Do you do you hate scheduling camp? I hate what it's become. I don't hate doing it. Um, because I, I have a different philosophy than most people, but I hate what it's become. I hate, you know, people don't tell you the truth and they, they talk crap, you know, make you feel like you're, you're playing the game and then you find out they've called seven schools in your league to find out if they should play you or not. Can they beat you? Is there any chance that, you know, Oakland could beat us? And they want to know about your players and who's coming back. And, you know, it to me, that's not, <laughs> you know what? play us or don't play us, you know, let's schedule these games, man. I mean, I have never in the 43 years that I've been in this business, I have never scheduled a game based on whether I thought I could win a non-conference game or not. I, I, I schedule them on, you know, uh, the, the needs of the program, the needs of the department, uh, yeah, the department, the financials need of it. And then, what would be great for my athletes? What what experiences could they get? You know, the, can they play in Poly Pavilion? And then, to be honest with you, I've scheduled a few for myself too. Uh, you know, I got a family in, in California. I never get to see my brother. Well, one of the ways to see him is play UCLA. You know, I've never had never been in Poly Pavilion. I wanted to play UCLA. I want you know Arizona. I wanted to. Pl- experience what Lute Olson built down there and took the team there. So, you know, I, I, to say it's all about one thing, it's not, but scheduling is a difficult, difficult thing. No, it is. And, and you and I talk about that a lot when we're on the road, you know, just, I, I remember as a kid watching these games in the Dean Dome and watching these games at Cal and watching these games at UCLA and Arizona, like you talked about Gonzaga uh, as well, when they came on the scene, it is, it, it's cool to go to these places, man. When you're, when you're a college basketball you know, kind of historian, and you have a lot of respect for what the game is and, and where it came from and all these blue blood programs, as you say, certainly. It's it's very cool to walk out on those floors, isn't it? Yeah, and the only place that we really haven't been is Duke. Duke. Um, and we haven't played in Rupp Arena. I personally have played there as, a, as an athlete. We When I was in college, we played there the year it opened, and Adolph Rupp was at the game, which was pretty cool, but uh, we will probably play at Kentucky eventually, you know, because of the friendship there. It's not always an easy thing to do. Uh, but um, for the most places, you know, we've been to almost every historic place there is, and uh, we'll continue to do those things. Yeah, it certainly is a lot of fun. We'll take our next break. When we come back, your questions with the hashtag AskCampy on Twitter. Uh, your last chance to get involved. You know, if you want to set in your question, get it answered tonight, go ahead and break it off. We will get to it in a matter of moments. We'll be right back with more. This is the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Usually, as we talked about, we beat RJ's Pub in Rochester Hills for it. You could 
virtually smell the seasoned fries right now, I guess. Uh, if, if you guys are looking for a good carryout option, you want some uh, some dinner, some lunch or whatever, go ahead and give RJ's Pub a call. Uh, get a carryout order. We're working to get back there. Uh, we're doing our very best, and we'll let you know if we get some movement in that, if we can get back to RJ's Pub. But as always, also, we're brought to you by the Evans Law Group. He is a coach, Greg Campy. My name is Neil Rule. Happy you're with us. It's uh, our favorite time of the show, we get to interact with you. Send us a tweet with the hashtag AskCampy. We get to them all. And Camp, you ready to roll, man? Yep. All right. Send my way. All right. Our good friend Pittsburgh Marty says, Coach Neal, love the show. The team appears to me to be very close-knit. It's clear that building relationships with the players is a priority for you. Since you've had so many away games this season, what type of team-building things occur when you're on the road? That's from Pittsburgh Marty. Uh, I mean, that's a good question. I'm glad to say for somebody watching from afar that we look close because I think that's an important issue, um, you know, with all the transferring that we just talked about and, and with what we've had happen to us the last couple of years. Uh, I think that is a very high priority on our new template of, of you know, we're in a rebuilding stage with this program. And that is an important piece of the rebuild. Um, but Marty, to, to answer your question, honestly, because of the pandemic, we can't do anything. Um, I mean, we, we, we eat in the locker room before we get on the bus or if we're going to charter before we get on the bus to take us to the charter. Um, we're six feet apart. If that bus ride is four hours, those kids are wearing their masks in the bus for four hours, six feet apart. Very little interaction. We can't have meals together. You know, we, we, we get them delivered to the bus. We hand them. They eat in the bus in their, their spot in the hotel other than their roommate. And we room them based on, so if I've had COVID, I'm rooming with a guy that hasn't had it, um, you know, so that from contract tracing, we can limit our exposure. So everything we think through. And then if we eat a meal in, in the, in the uh, hotel, we have a separate room. The hotel can't serve it. They bring food in. We serve it. I actually, as Neil will tell you, I actually have the spoon in my hand and dish out the mac and cheese or whatever it is they're eating um, along with our director of operations and our, our graduate assistants. And we serve them that there's two to a table is all. And it's very, very uh, health pandemic conscious. So it really takes away from any team building. Normally in a year, we, we do things like we go bowling when we're on the road. We, we have, you know, a couple of things that I've done this year. I've had them to my place a couple of times. We spent Christmas Day, as we documented uh, before, together, open gifts together. You know, we try and do all we can, but we're very, very limited to team building this year. And, and unfortunately, that's also probably part of what you see with the ups and downs of a season, the ups and downs with some of these teams we were just talking about. It's really, really hard to build a cohesive group when you can't do things together. Yeah, that, that certainly is the case. I miss those bowling matchups. Those were fun. You always add a little competition element to it, and the guys get into it. It is. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. 
Well, more questions here with the hashtag AskCampy. Matt from the Horizon the Horizon Roundtable podcast wants to know, he's keeping a streak alive, getting in a question every week. It's a Cal Ripken-esque streak, by the way. Uh, Matt wants to know, we know about the season fries at RJ's uh, that people hopefully are ordering to go. We know about your love for Portillo's. The old-timers know about Sunrise Chicken in Macomb, Illinois, as well as Gus's locally. But if it was your last meal, Camp, what are you going with if it was your last meal? Well, that would be depend on if I was making it or or if someone was giving it to me. So if someone was giving it to me, I have a buddy. His name is Dave Bernhardt. He's actually a professional bowler. He's on the senior tour. And he's got a brother in Alaska that works on a ship and catches the Alaskan king crab. And about once a year, he puts a little thing out that if you want Alaskan king crab, his brother will catch some for you, flash cook it, freeze it, and send it to you. And you cannot believe the size of the <laughs> legs of this. Of the, I mean, it is. I've watched the, the show camp, yeah. <laughs> it is the single best thing I've ever eaten in my life. And you, you just you take them out, you thaw them, you get a, a pan of boiling hot water you put a colander in it you stick it in the colander so that the steam comes up and steams it and then you open it up and it is to die for and i guess if i'm dying and this is my last meal that's what i want if i were going to make the meal i would make you lobster risotto Uh, i had a friend that taught me how to make it and it is phenomenal that's my go-to at the restaurant camp i got to get that from you sometime lobster risotto yeah Oh, I make a good one. Now, I have to admit, I got uh, a season ticket holder, a floor chair holder, uh, Rick Vandal's wife, uh, made it at a Halloween party I was at, and I couldn't leave the table. And uh, <laughs> to get rid of me, she had to give me the recipe. And, uh, you know, you, take, you change every recipe to make it yours, but I have to give credit where credit is due. This, this lobster risotto is just out of this world so if i were making the meal it would be my lobster risotto if it was a meal that i was bringing in i'd call my buddy dave bernhardt and i would get the the uh, crab legs does he do that bit where they're they're out at sea for like two or three months at a time aren't they like when it's the season it's the season and they're out they're out yeah. there they come in i if you're going to get them it's going to be in november uh october november up in that time uh, that I order them, and I usually get them the beginning of November, and I and then I would freeze them, and uh, you know keep them frozen, and and I'd always pull them out New Year's, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, and I'd have a big meal Christmas uh, Eve with my kids, things like that. I'm telling you, they're so good. Yeah, there's there's no question. I, I don't doubt that for a second. More questions with the hashtag AskCampy. Uh, remember, you can send them at any time during the week. Something pops in your head while you're watching the game. Go ahead and break off the tweet. We keep tracks of the, uh, we keep track of the hashtag AskCampy, and we get to them all every single week. Wesley V wants to know, Camp, was there any last-minute talks at the Horizon League about changing the opponents for this weekend? It's hard to believe that we're going to be playing the same team four times, and I know you've been pretty vocal about uh, that whole setup. Well, I didn't want to do it, and Mike Davis didn't want to do it. I mean, we've, we've had that conversation. We, we've, Mike and I talk almost every day uh, in, the, in the last week over it. And uh, if 
if it could have worked out that we could have had it changed and moved, I think the league would have done it and we would have been really pleased that they did it. I don't, I don't think that this is good for, you know, the equality of your records and as, and, and the records are important because seeding in the tournament, you know, they're going to have home courts in the tournament. So it is important. It's, it, but what we said as a group, we knew that, it, that there was going to be nothing fair about this year because of COVID. We knew that playing the same team twice was not a fair situation. You know, if I'm Youngstown State, you know, Youngstown's sitting three and seven, and they've played eight of their ten games on the road, you know. Eight of their ten games have been on the road. That's a that's a tough deal for a team, especially when you lose, you know, your top player, a first team all league preseason players injured and can't play, and you're playing eight of ten on the road. So, you know, getting it going and getting the momentum and things like that are really hard to do. So, think about this. So, at the end of this weekend, Detroit will have played eight league games. At the most, they're going to play is 14. Okay? Four of those eight games will have been against Oakland. And when they're done, they'll have played 14 games, and four of them are against Oakland. All right? That means they're only going to play six six opponents. Of the the 11 that there were, are in the league, they're only going to play six. And two of them were Wright State. I mean, so, so you know, if, if you're a Detroit fan, you're sitting there going – we have to play our rival, our arch rival, four times, and then we have to play Wright State twice. I mean, you know, do the math. That's six, that's six of their 14 games. Right. You know, and it, it, it's not fair to Detroit. And even if even if Detroit comes in here and wins two, it's not fair to the rest of the league because you're not getting a league standings based on any form of equality. And I'd rather not play the game at all than – then play, then have four of our games against Detroit. 20% of our schedule is going to be against Detroit. And I just don't think that's, I think it's something that could be controlled and, and that, but you know, we're part of a league and the league has rules and they, and it's really difficult through this pandemic. It really is. And you've got to make tough decisions as a league. You've got to make, uh, you know, and they leagues chose to, to we play the games, you know, and um, so we play the games. Uh, you know, you you voice your opinion, you say what you want to say, and then you move on. And you 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 know you you're told to do something. You're part of an organization. The organization says do it. You go do it. And we're gonna we're gonna compete as as hard as we can compete. And we're gonna prepare and we're gonna be there and play the best that we can play. Camp, real quick before we take our final break uh, of the Greg Campy Show and come back and talk about you know that Detroit matchup a little more in depth. I, I did want to get your take. You and I were walking out of the arena on Saturday night after the Youngstown State game, and, and I told you, uh, or no, it might have been Friday night actually. I, t- I told you that Cleveland State had, had beat Wright State, and I made the comment to you. I said, you know, Saturday becomes a must-win for Wright State if they want to keep alive any hope of 
of winning the Horizon League regular season title. Uh, alas, Wright State get that, did get that win on Saturday, but Cleveland State still sitting at the top of the standings at 9-1 and one right now. Wright State uh, uh, two games behind them at 7-3. and three. Well, What's been your take? I like to update this as we kind of go through you know, in a minute or so, you know, just kind of your general impression. Uh, Cleveland State at the top of the standings, just like everybody had pre preseason, right? Well, I don't think, again, <laughs> you know, congratulations to Cleveland and Dennis, and you're playing great and doing great things. But, you know, until you're, until we're through this schedule and you, you know, who knows? I mean, I mean, Wright State, we beat them by 10, and their other two losses were the other team had the ball with three seconds to go and scored, and they lost by one. And, and then they beat the team that, they lost to by 30 the next day. You know, they beat us by 40, and then we beat them by 10. So that's just the weirdness of Summer League, you know. And <laughs> it's still going to come down to the tournament and who plays well that week. And the seeding's going to be, you know, one thing, Neil, you need to know, and our fans need to know, the, the standings aren't standings. So right now, if you look at the Horizon League standings, you'd say, okay, they're one, they're two, they're three. But that's not, that's not what they are. There's a formula that they're going to base the standings on. And it is, and the yeah. formula, it's a mathematical formula, and I'm pretty good at math, and I don't understand it. And I, I think eventually the league's going to start, you know, we're at the halfway point. Um so, you know, it's, it's kind of like the football thing where, uh, you know, they announce who the top four are three, four weeks before the selection day, and then every week they have a show and they, they say who it is. I, I think that the league at some point is going to start showing through the formula who's actually in first, who's actually in second, who's actually in third. And, and this formula predicated on how many games you play, strength of schedule, what's the record of the teams you've played, what is, uh, what a road and home is, what, you know, so to sit here and say we're tied for fifth right now, I don't think we are, but I don't know where we are. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we're first, third, or 12th, you know, yeah. I, I have no idea because I can't figure that formula out. And I think the league understands that and will probably be making that public in, in short order. I don't know when, you know, three, four weeks before the tournament would be my guess so that our fan bases can understand it and what's going on and, and that, uh, you know, and that's why my feeling is that they probably want us to continue to play these games, even though, you know, we may not want to play somebody four times. My, my biggest fear is playing Detroit five times. And I, I, it's just not fair to the student-athletes, to the kids, because that game in the tournament is the world to them. I mean, it's, it's the world to everybody, the, the, the coaches, the sure. fans, to everybody. It's, it is. It's life and death, nobody, man. Three years from now, nobody's going to remember what your pandemic record was, what that we beat Youngstown twice on January 16th and 15th. Nobody's going to remember that. But they're going to remember that we lost by one in the semifinals and didn't get to the finals or, or somebody blew us out. or you know, people, They're going to remember that week. 
and your kids are, your fans are, your bosses are, your coaches, you know, everybody's remember that. So I do not want to play somebody five times. I mean, it's unprecedented. Um, it's just unprecedented. And to play somebody four times is unprecedented. And we're going to, I mean, think about that. Detroit played us two games. Then they didn't play for two weeks. And then they played Green Bay two games. Now they're playing us again. So they'll have played six games in the in the month of January. And, well, I don't know. That, that was a Christmas. So in the month from Christmas, from the 26th of December to the 23rd of January, Detroit will have, in that month, Detroit will have played six games and four of them are against Oakland. And these games are more than just games. Don't let anybody kid you. The Oakland-Detroit game is not a game. The Oakland-Detroit game is a war. It, it takes its toll on the coaches. It takes its toll on the players. It takes its toll on the fans. And they're going to play six, four of those games in a month period when they only played six. And I don't know. You know, it is what it is. So we're playing them. Absolutely. And we'll discuss that a little bit more uh, coming up after this break as uh, we'll break it down a little bit with Coach. The Metro Series picking back up this weekend at the Arena, Friday night at 7, Saturday at 5 as well. We'll have all the action for you right here on the Real Team Real Estate Radio Network. So stick around. More the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Final couple minutes of the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Coach Campy with us as always. My name is Neil Rule. Happy you are with us. Coach Campy tomorrow night will be doing his uh, Champions Club Zoom call. You can go to goldengrizzlies.com slash Champions Club and get involved with that if you want to hear uh, you know some exclusive chatter with head coach uh, Greg Campy. But we're wrapping this show up here, Coach. The Metro Series picking back up. You know We, we touched on a little bit before the break, but... You know, as as you look at this Detroit team, they came off the quarantine, and all of a sudden, uh, that the twenty six of forty eight from three or something like that, and their two games against Green Bay, they look like they got right. They must have quarantined them in uh, Callahan Hall because <laughs> right. I don't know how they could shoot like that. I mean, when we when we went into that, you know, we had a twenty one day deal um, for many of the kids. There was no practice in 21 days, but there was at least a uh, 10 or four. It was a 14 day quarantine at that time. And those kids couldn't even come close to hitting the rim after sitting in their their dorm room for 14 days. So what Detroit did last weekend, I think is remarkable. Um, I'm sure the betters had a field day with that because I'm sure they all bet that Detroit would get beat, you know, and, and for them to come out, and I mean, I think the first night they were 17 or 24, some ridiculous number from the three. Antoine has found his groove. I watched a clip of he shot a shot in the Green Bay game from probably 30 feet. And as soon as it left his hand, he was running down court. He didn't even watch it go in. That's how confident he was playing. And, you know, if he if he gets going like that, this is a scary, scary team. Uh, uh you know, they got this freshman named Waterman that had just started playing when we played him, and now he's got some games under his belt. He's, he's 16 to 32 from the three on the season, and he's seven foot. And uh, another seven footer that can protect the rim. And that, that, of all the things they needed, they needed a rim protector. And, you know, they play a lot of zone, and they needed a rim protector, and that kid's given him that. So 
I think they're a dangerous team. I, I think they're one of the top teams in the league. They're two and four. Uh, but, you know, who? it's like I said, in this summer league, who cares what your record is? I'm telling you, they're, they're one of the, the top teams, very, very talented. Uh, you know, the, the, the kid from California is is one of the top. He, he's top ten player in the league. Uh, I think his name's Bull. Something I, I can't. Not the Cal, good the, Cal, the Cal Baptist transfer, yeah, he he, yeah, he, he transferred from Cal Baptist. I think he had thirty against us the first night and twenty the second night. But I, I think he's a top ten player in the league. I I really do. And then you look at what you know the freshman could do by the end of the year. He'll be on the all freshman team and he'll be, you know, I mean they've got really good players that they're going to develop into one of the best teams in the league. And when you say why don't you want to play him five times, well, that's one of the reasons. They're going. They're they're one of, going to be one of the best teams. I don't want to play a team like that five times, and they don't want to play us five times. I, I guarantee you that. Camp, what what worked for you guys in those matchups at Callahan Hall, and conversely, what didn't work? What what will you be looking to change? Obviously, without giving away a game plan or anything like that. Well, the games were really uneven games. The uh, the first day that you know it looked like a bad game because both teams played played. A, their length and size, we hadn't seen that in a zone, and we hadn't really weren't really prepared. Uh, we figured it out at halftime, and we had a great second half, and we were able to win the game. Then the second night, Jalen Moore was Jalen Moore, and when Jalen Moore is like that, we're going to win a lot of games. Um, they really came out the second day and punched us right in the face. So they they got ahead twenty four to to uh, ten. I just actually before the show, I was watching that game and. Um, Jalen then just took over and, and just single-handedly got us back in the game. And Lampman didn't play in that game and uh, that weekend. And, and so Kangu and, and Zion Young knew they were getting minutes and played with great confidence and made some shots. And we battled and found a way to win the game. So Mike, Micah was, you know, made a big play down the stretch and Rashad Williams hit a, a game winner, you know, in the, uh, in the regular and the regulation, the second day we had the game one and overtime the first night and gave it away. It's still because of Micah we were able to hang on and win. And so, you know, anytime you go to Callahan Hall and win, it's a great night. We went there twice and got two wins, and and it was it was worth celebrating. Let's just put it that way. You know, coach, I was thinking about it. You were talking about the whole uh, kind of standing scenario, and I did every pregame show I talked to Steve Waterfield the director of athletics for Oakland we, we call a little Grizzbiz segment that we do and, and he broke it down he said it's essentially like a net ranking that the horizon is going to come up with their own uh, variation of net ranking so that I guess that's kind of be the best way to explain it uh, to the fans uh, out there I, I don't know if that explains anything to me because I have no hell of a no idea what that net is I mean I, well I don't either I, I just said it so I would sound cool Cam I see where we're ranked in the net and I'd shake my head and say how can that be you know, I mean, we played one of the most difficult schedules in the country. How how are we being punished for that? You know, I mean, uh, Michigan's top ten in the country. We took them to overtime. Where's where's the eyes on that? You know, Oklahoma State's top twenty five team. We we took them to the wire. Uh, did we lose by forty? Yeah. Did we lose by this to Xavier? Yeah. But think at the circumstances. So. You know these computer rankings to me don't mean anything. It's all it. I really think it should be eye test and and intelligent people that make the decisions on things like that. But you know, there's a lot of things I think nobody agrees with. So 
again, you just like like playing these games, you know. You you like anybody, you voice your opinion, you try and do it properly, you try and do it without malice, and uh, you make your voice heard as as we all should do. But when push comes to shove, we all should do then what we have to do, and 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 maybe the whole world would be better if we all did those things, you know. Voice your opinion, say what you got to say, but. It's time to go play the games. Let's go play them, and we'll play whoever shows up. Well said, Camp. That about does it for this episode of the Greg Campy Show. Appreciate everybody listening. So for the coach, Greg Campy, and Kevin McCann back in our Real Team Real Estate Studios, my name is Neil Rule, the voice of the Golden Grizzlies. Thank you, everybody, once again for listening. Well, see you later.